Father, I pray that this morning, as we pray weekly, that we'll see you clearer today. We'll hear your words for us. God, I pray that, that my preaching won't be distracting. Um, God, I pray that, that ultimately as we, we come through today and learn that, that God is light and in him there is no darkness, that that is something that's clear and not something that we need to walk away being more confused with how we should live, but, but because we're, what is made available to us is a relationship with the living God, that that can be something that is um, filling our life with meaning and purpose and direction. So God, I pray that you will speak You'll be known today. Pray this in your name, amen. Okay, if you turn with me to First John 1, I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. Page number 941. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. And this is how it reads. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. From all sin. So the reason I chose this text today, after we were moving out of the Attributes of God uh, series into a few weeks of doing topical and then into the, uh, the Christmas series, which I'm very excited about. Um, but this week, being Halloween, I thought I'd do the theme, How to Be a Christian in a Pagan Culture, which is very timely. And the reason why I chose this verse in particular is because growing up, Halloween was a very hot-button issue for us. And I don't know if it was in your homes, but actually one year, we had this verse on our door. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And didn't give out candy. So kids would just know the gospel when they came to our door. Right? And they would just be warmed by it. <laughs> right? But this, this is the, the conflict... We, we go through, if God is light and in Him there is no darkness, how do we respond when there's, you know, there's rumors of razor blades and apples, there's you know, rumors of, you know, put your cats inside, because they probably will get sacrificed on Halloween if they're out, right? And so, so there's this, this whole, uh, you know, surrounding story that's going on. How do we respond to that? How do we be Christians in a world where those things actually do happen, you know, one person might be sacrificing a cat somewhere in the world today. <laughs> or many people, might, I don't know. But how do we respond to this, right? Without either giving into the, the fear and the drama of, of mass media, right? But also, how do we then say, well, beyond dressing up like witches because we don't support witchcraft, right? How do we... How do we in- enjoy the day with a lot of people that are just enjoying it and say, this is who God is and this is what he actually looks like. So how do we do that? And so um, we're going to go through these verses and we're just going to talk about what it means for God to be light, um, what it means for us to be children of light in a world that, that God, Jesus came as the light and said, but men love darkness instead. So how do we live in that world where people love darkness instead of light? Um, first, light is, is biblical imagery here. It's a metaphor. So if you look at, uh, in, the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void, and then he created light. That's a different sort of light than we're talking about in First John. So it's not like I'm going to tell you what it means here metaphorically, and then you're going to read Genesis 1 and be like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Right? So, so I want you to understand that this is how a lot of uh, misunderstanding comes into our interpretation of things, is because rather than seeing things in context, we're like, I'm just going to place here, uproot it, and just plant it somewhere else. And so, 
what this means is, I'm going to take verse 6 and verse 7, and these divide up into two different pieces here, and then we're going to read in between the lines, safely. Okay, so verse 6, what that's talking about is content, and then verse 7 is reception of it. So, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. What that means for us, it says, so we... So we lie if we say we have fellowship with God, but going on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. So first of all, there is, to this light, it means something. Right? In Second Corinthians 4, 6, it says, We do not go around preaching ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So God is light, in Him there is no darkness. The content of this is understanding. right? Some understanding that if you understand something different, you're understanding a lie. So we come against this, this immediate confrontation with light and darkness where if... You are a part of light. This is very elementary. I'm sure most children know this. but right, If you're a part of light, then, then darkness isn't a part of you, right? If light is... Say if I turned on a light in this... Well, there is a light in this room. right? If wherever the light is not falling is because there's a shadow or there's something that's covering that area, right? So in the same way, if we are given... Uh, a piece of information, right? And we receive that information, becomes understanding for us. We, we hold that we believe it is truth. Um, then that for us ultimately becomes, if you're familiar with the word being enlightened, right? Then we're enlightened to the understanding of that. Um, and what's important about this is that Christians are notoriously known for not being a people that, that know things, but people that feel things. Okay? So, light here is talking about what God is giving you as information, what you're receiving as understanding. Okay? So God is like, in God, in His purity, in His holiness, He's giving you knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is saving knowledge, And to, and to not believe that is to be in darkness, according to the Bible. But, why this is hard for us, as a, as a whole Christian culture, is because usually when people say, when people ask you, well, how do you know that, that Jesus is God? You say, well, because I, I just feel it. Right? And so we're constantly describing things, not in a, in a way of understanding, but in, in some sort of relative emotion. Um, this, was, this was shown in a, a recent uh, poll taken by the, uh, the Pew Poll Company, um, wherever they are. But it was actually it was broadcast throughout USA Today, Times, all these people picked up on it because it was... It was huge information that, that atheists know more about religion than, than religious people do. That was the, that was the finding of it. Um, and this is what the editor of Skeptic Magazine said. He said, who is, he would consider himself an atheist. He said, I have heard many times that atheists know more about religion than religious people do. Atheism is an effect of that knowledge, not a lack of knowledge. I gave a Bible to my daughter. That's how you make atheists. Right? And so, so his claim is, right, so atheism is because we know something, which is actually not a right understanding of the term atheist, because atheists mean you don't know something, right? Um, but I'll have three quick responses to this, and the first is that it's actually, what he's making is a personal attack on a certain knowledge, right? This was a poll taken about a lot of different religions, and instead of saying, well, then all religious people, he says, well, Christians in particular. And so 
this, this is helpful for us because it's a personal attack. So how do we respond to this? How do you say, well, Christianity isn't a lack of knowledge. It's actually a knowledge in something that is true. And then if you believe it, then it will have amazing transformation in your life. You'll be in relationship with God himself. How would you explain that to somebody? And this is important. If God is light and in him there's no darkness, how do you explain that light? Especially in a world that, that delights in darkness, that delights in what's opposing that. My second response is I was given a Bible when I was very young. And this is it. And I did not become an atheist. Um, and that's why I'm here today preaching to you. Right? And so it's helpful to understand that simply because you give someone a Bible doesn't mean that they will become an atheist. Right? Um, the third is, I think it's important to understand philosophically, which is a very intimidating word, that for an atheist it's impossible to disprove the existence of God. So atheism is, as a position, it's non-rational because you can't say absolutely that this does not exist. It's only possible to positively prove things. Right? And so him saying that there is, there is uh, uh, this knowledge that will make somebody become an atheist, the truth is that there's only knowledge that makes somebody actually believe something that's positive. But how do you as a Christian then, when you're explained to somebody, start giving them positive knowledge? Rather than, it be feelings or negative knowledge like, well, don't do that because it's bad. Right? That's oftentimes how <laughs> speaking to people about Christianity or religion can sound. Well, don't smoke cigarettes. You know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? Or, or, or whatever we can say. So maybe somehow they'll have this this strange guilt somewhere, this burning in them that will make them want something that's better, and then and that's when you insert the better, which is Jesus, right? So God, this is honestly, there's I bit off way more than I can chew today because there's there's so much to this as we walk throughout this daily in a world that that is confronting you and what you believe and what you are most often equipped with to respond to that isn't, I know whom I've believed in, I'm, I'm confident that he's able to keep what I've given to him until that day. Because So if your faith is being put in something that is sure and true, and that you can actually uh, tell people about. A sociologist, responding to the article I was mentioning earlier, said, Uh, from Rice University, the study gives convincing proof that Americans may deeply be committed to their faith, but that commitment comes mostly from the heart and not from the head. Right? And so, and I think that's why people are so confronted oftentimes is they go to maybe school or Olympic college or wherever you go, go to work, and what you've shared together, maybe at church or or together was a, a great time, you enjoyed it. Um, but ultimately, when hard questions came, why, why did Indonesia get hit by another tsunami? Why, did, why does Haiti have cholera you know, as a result of the earthquake? Right? All these questions that are hard. And people ask you about, well, what does your God say about this? Right? And you've done so much work in just cultivating your heart. And letting your mind go to waste. <laughs> then when people ask you questions about your faith, right? I'm not using faith in the modern term of blind faith, but when people ask you about, well, why do you, why do you say, with, with my mind, my heart, my soul, my strength, with everything, I'm convinced that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Right? And the story that goes on from there of the fall and of him then Jesus becoming flesh and investing in humanity. That, that is all true. Right? That you, you begin articulating your faith in those ways, not just because the way you feel, because the way you feel will change. Right? And it might change quickly when somebody challenges you with something. Right? 
that is hard and hard to hear. (coughs) So God is light in him. There is no darkness. There is a truth and there is a lie. And if, if you claim simply to know God without understanding the content of what that means, the light will be something that's very foreign to you. It will always be described to you as something distant, not as something real. And John, it makes it more specific, is as he writes, uh, Jesus spoke to the, the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. So, we're helped tremendously when the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Right? The light isn't merely something that we're talking about. Is, and it's hard when we use metaphorical language right, as light. It sounds very abstract to us. Right? Have you ever tried to catch light? <laughs> it seems very impossible. But I don't want you to leave thinking, well... He talked about light, and that was kind of vague. I know a lot of different kinds of light. <laughs> so when Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, it says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. It's become something very concrete for us. The message that Jesus is preaching is understanding that leads to life. Right? And something that contradicts that is what the Bible says would be darkness. Right, so what is, what is your understanding that you would claim, this is light, and if someone begins to grasp this, they'll move from being darkened in their understanding into a place of their minds, their, their, their hearts, really their whole bodies being free then to see the world as it really is. Right? And so when you're preaching the gospel to someone, you're not being like, well... See, I want you to look past the world and into something else. No, you're saying, well, God created the world, okay? So you don't have to just be like this hyper-spiritual being to understand the gospel, right? But you actually can see what God invested in it with the words that he spoke, and then he came down and died on a real wooden cross, okay? So what, what is this understanding that you're being called to? And I really, I really encourage you to begin asking yourself hard questions. What is the understanding that leads to life? Not the feeling that leads to life, but what is the understanding that leads to life? Okay, the second is... Where are we? Seven. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Okay, so this, we're moving into the reception. For those who, uh, the light hasn't merely come to them, approached them, but those who receive it, it says, then we actually have fellowship with Jesus, who cleanses us from all sins. So there's a very simple illustration for this, and that is, if you've ever worked outside for a long time in the summer, <laughs> right, and you're wearing a, a t-shirt, and then you go swimming, and you're wearing your bathing suit, you look pasty white, right? <laughs> right so there's a, there's a clear <laughs> difference between those that receive the light, right, and those that don't receive the light, Right? There's usually a very clear mark. <laughs> right? I worked construction for a while, and, and I mean, you get very distinct tan lines. And, and this could appear to be a sidetrack, but it's not, because this is really what it is like for those who are true Christians, that you can tell those that receive the light and those that have not received the light. It is, it is clear also in a, in a room where there is light, the places that have also partaken in that light, right? You know, an example is if you are um, 
if you're in a room and all of a sudden you like crawl under a table or something and it's just dark down there, there's places that, that remain hidden to the light. And this is what it's talking about here when it says, um, as God is light and we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Right? What, what is going on here is it's saying that there are those that have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And they have fellowship then with the Father. But there are those then that remain cut off to that light and they're not experiencing the fellowship of that relationship. Which seems simple enough. Right? In Ephesians 5, 8-14 through 14, it says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will expose them when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So when we come to Christ, we don't come to remain in our old understanding and our old darkness. Right, we come to light to be exposed, and that is exactly why a lot of people, like it says in John, remain in darkness, love the darkness instead. It's painful to have things exposed, right? It's painful, even on a, on a, a human-to-human level, if, if you've lied to somebody, you have to come and be like, you know what, what I actually told you was false. Right? That's painful, But then living against God as an enemy of God for so long, and then having that to be exposed and for you to be the wrong one is very, very hard. And so that's what's difficult. You used to be as darkness, but now you're light. And for, for Christians, it will continue to be painful as there are places in you that you'll discover as you grow. In, in intimacy and nearness to God, you'll realize there's places that you've, rem, you've kept hidden or try to keep hidden from Him. Right? Because that's just too painful. I just don't want to deal with that right now. And there's going to be something lacking in your intimacy with God. Why? Because God is light and in Him there's no darkness. Right? And so oftentimes when we're in a relationship with God and we're like, God, I just don't get you and I'm, just, I'm frustrated and... I know you say this, but, but a lot of times that, why, why is that? Well, because we're, we're harboring things that are darkness in us, right? We're like, because I've given you all this, just be happy with this. And I'm, I'm just going to keep this, right? It's making me feel, com- this is my comfort blanket, right here. But we can't partake in that as, as, uh, as Christians, Matthew, 4, Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on the top of the hill. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Right? Because as you guys participate in the life of the Father, He's shining through you to be a light to the rest of the world. The difficulty of that shining, though, is how, how do we do that? Um, and that's the, that's the part where we're going to talk about now is, you know, was it right for us to just put God is light in Him, there's no darkness on our door, and just let little trick-or-treaters walk on by? Right? That, that's a serious question. Um, I think they're going to give candy out this year. Um, <laughs> right? But as you're wrestling with that, by no means are those like questions. I think those are really important questions. So how do you do that? And so we're gonna, this is where we're going to read in between the lines from this, this giving of understanding where God's actually communicating to you knowledge. Right? And then those that receive it and then become partakers of that knowledge, how is that communicated? And that's what we're going to deal with right now. Um, I'm going to give you some hard examples for some of you. Uh, they might be harder than others, because um, I want to give you this, this real, these real life pictures of what this might look like if you uh, 
our day-to-day at work. Um, how do you communicate light to people? Um, what, do you, what would you do if... Um, Right, you have friends that are homosexuals, and they come up and they're like, you know, with artificial insemination, we decide to have a child, right? And they, they come to you. What would you say to them? How do you be light? Hard issue, right? God is light, and there's no darkness. Okay, how do you communicate that now? Okay? Um, say, uh, you know what, this is an easier one, because we just dove in. Say one of your friends is like, you know, I'm, I'm totally on the bandwagon of Happy Holidays, out with Merry Christmas, right? Because this is, this is for everyone, right? I, Christmas isn't about Jesus, it's just an old pagan holiday that was, you know, hijacked by Christians. And How do you communicate into that, right? He's right! right? Are you going to plant your flag there and be like, no, Jesus was born on December 25th. <laughs> Right? How do you how do you communicate into that? Another one, uh, very, very relevant example. Say you have a friend that's been been working out, looking really good, losing a lot of weight, and you ask, "Well, what, what are you what are you doing?" They they say, "Well, I'm uh, I'm doing yoga all the time. Would you like to come with me?" Right? And and to your understanding, yoga began as a practice of Hinduism, right? And you're like, well, that's, how do I do that? You know, is there anything wrong with working out and stretching? No, that's great. Work out and stretch. Right? But then there's those that, that take to the point of, of wrong practice. Right? How do you speak? How, what do you do there? Great question, right? Do you just throw out yoga because of its roots? Or do you do, you do it with your buddy? Right? How do, God is light and there's no darkness. What does that look like? How do we communicate that? Right? Your, your buddies are going to a bar. And you, they're blocking. You're like their new stout. But one of them is, uh, has struggled with alcoholism in the past. What do you do at that point? Just be like, oh, it's okay. You know, Jesus is fine with drinking. And just go with him even though he struggled with alcoholism. Right? What about if, if none of them have struggled, struggled with alcoholism, but you're going and you're drinking beer together? Is that okay? Some people would say it's not okay. <laughs> Who's right? right? And that's, that's things we need to wrestle with. And you should wrestle with them, right? And, I, and I'll give you a good example of this. Um, the reason why you should wrestle with it is is oftentimes we, we have this, this view given to us by, by the, the modern tolerance movement of just like, well, we just need to just do things together, and if we're just communicating and talking through it, then, you know, then everything will be okay. But, but imagine this. Okay, imagine that, that your whole life you've wanted to be a major league soccer player. That's been your aspiration. You've, you've trained for it. You've worked really hard. You realize if you can't kick really well with both feet, you can't be one. Right? And so you work on it. And so finally you get to the, the point of, of accomplishment where you get, you get taken on by a major league soccer team. You're getting paid much, of, much money to, to kick goals for them. Uh, one or none a game. And <laughs> I do like soccer. Right? So if you... What if, when you're on the field, all of a sudden you start kicking goals for the wrong team and just make it like it's fun, right? But we, we treat it like that way in our lives. We're like, well, it doesn't matter which team I hang out with or play with or, you know? And I'm not reducing this to, like, Christianity being a team and Buddhism being a team and all these... But the truth is, just the way our lives work is, is we're aligning ourselves with something. We say, I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And that He came because you had an issue that people did, humanity did, that they couldn't deal with. And that was separating them from relationship with God. And I realize that only life comes when you're in relationship with God. I think joy and happiness come when you're in relationship with God. And, G- and Jesus saw that, and so He came, and He, and he 
took our sin upon him so we could just live in relationship with God. Right? If you say that, you are odd. Right? Because maybe one-eighth of the world believes that. Okay? So all of a sudden, you're saying something that just a lot of people don't agree with. So how are you going to communicate the truth of that? Um, right? We've probably, most of you guys have experienced burning CDs or bashing records. Right? Boycotting Walmart or Walt Disney. Right? All, all these things. And it sounds silly, right? But, but we do that. Why? Because at one point or another, we've been convinced that, that they were just wrong. Right? So how does the church speak into this? It goes beyond growing mullets in the 80s and soul patches in the 90s and faux hawks in the 2000s. Right? Which is usually the way the church does it. Like, we're just going to look really nice. (laughs) Right? And so usually we do something maybe economically like, well, we're just going to show that with your hearts you can be very economically successful. Right? And the world will see that we're true because we make a lot of money. Right? And that, that has been, for a lot of churches, a way they do it. The Crystal Cathedral. Right? $55 million in debt right now. Unbelievable. Why? Because they want to show that, that God makes you affluent. <laughs> Is that the truth of the gospel? No. It's not. So, how do we do it? Uh, There was a time when, and this isn't like golden age or anything, but there was a time when Christians had a lot more um, more say in even culture itself, because culture isn't bad. Right? All of you have dressed a certain way because you thought it looked nice today. Right? Some of you guys look real good. (laughs) Most of you do. Okay, but, but you're dressing in a way, not because culture is bad, right? Maybe people that helped that happen, right, were people that were awesome, godly people, right? So it's not that, that the world is just moved by the ideas of people that stand against God, right? But, but as people together are working, as, as God has given gifts, right, God has given specific gifts to people. God didn't make everyone to preach on a Sunday morning, right? God didn't make everyone to be a missionary in Africa. God made some people to make awesome coffee. God made some people to be teachers, right? God made some people to build houses. And the better you do it, that the more you will shape culture, right? So it's not pulling out and just being like, well, I just, need to, I just need to join the ministry. Right? And then the rest, the rest of it is just the world. General. No. No, God has made people in very incredible ways. That you can have a, a huge voice. Nursing, like Melissa, right? But God made people to have a voice into life. Adam himself was a gardener, right? God made Adam and Eve to cultivate the ground. Right? It's this, this divine mandate to work. That if Adam didn't wake up and plant food, he wouldn't have it. Okay? And I think that's really important for us to remember as we partake in this. And in ages past, right, you have these amazing authors, John Donne, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, whoever, right, that, that actually produced works that were, were really well received. Why? Because they were good. Right? They're, they're writing something that people are like, this is just talented. Right? When was the last time you've watched a Christian movie and thought, this is really good acting? <laughs> But, and I think it's, it's that we, we need to think of those things. Right? Oftentimes we think, well, it's, <laughs> it's not just the medium, but it's the message. Right? And so, so we, we make excuses for making low-budget films. 
right? Or we make excuses for, for only going halfway on things. Man, if God skilled you at something, don't go halfway on it. Right? So this is how we speak into it. Um, <laughs> one, one last comment on that. WWJD, I think, is a, a great thought. What would Jesus do? And I think that is the beginning of actually understanding how we should respond. But again, when Dennis Rodman wore WWJD, I just lost respect for the bracelets. Right? And that's what happens, right? You have these people that are sporting it, but have no conviction. And ultimately, that's when we move into the realm of what do we do, and, and how do we do it, and how do we be light in a dark world? comes down to our conviction about who God is. Right? My parents, when they put that, that sign up on the door, why I think that was awesome is because they had conviction about who God was. And, and though they were wrestling, though they didn't have perfect knowledge, they were, they were really attempting to show the light of Christ to the world. Right? And, and you might not do it perfectly when you make an effort to do that. And that's okay. But what is God's heart for the world and what actually glorifies Him is an important question for us. And if you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians, this is what we'll end with. And this is, use this as a model for these questions. 1 Corinthians 10, this is page 876 in the book. Starting in in verse 23, going to 33. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, allow... I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So you may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you without raising question of conscience. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is the other person. It is for the other person. Why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Okay, so this is extremely helpful to us. Why? Well, because Paul is dealing with a very current issue of his day, which is um, where you got the savory bits of meat were from the marketplaces that were, were, were a remainder of these sacrifices made in the temple. And that means nothing to you. Right? What, what would mean something to you is, well, uh, what, what about uh, drinking a beer when often t- most of the people probably consume alcohol to excess? Right? Much more, much more current of an issue, right? So what does Paul say about it? He says, well, anything, any of these things is permissible to me, but not, not everything is beneficial or good. What does this look like? Well, if I'm with somebody and I'm drinking, they say, come on, can we have a drink together, right? And we're drinking together and all of a sudden they say, you know, I, I've, I've had a problem in the past knowing when to, my limit is, right? When to, when to cut off. Right? That's a part when you're like, okay, because of the conscience of the other person, I'm not going to do that. Right? If this is causing them to sin, I'm not going to do that. 
And then he, he wraps this up all under three points, which the first is, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, to all the glory of God, right? You're not going to steal children's ice cream for the glory of God. You can't. And I, I know that sounds funny, but it's, it's true, right? Know God very well. And a lot of these questions will become answered for you. Right? Have you ever, a good example of this is, you know, many say they know Jesus, right? But they don't have the tan lines, like we were talking about earlier, right? <laughs> right? There's not this, this evidence in their lives of being receivers of the light, of the gospel, of the knowledge, of the glory of Jesus Christ. And so there's no, there's no idea in their minds of how do I glorify God? How do I give God praise? And how do I honor Him in the way I live, in the way I'm acting, right? So the beginning isn't moralism. The beginning isn't, well, cut yourself off after one drink, right? Never stretch, because it might be yoga, right? <laughs> that, that, isn't, that isn't the problem, The problem is people who who try to just set up those rules but don't know Jesus, right? Jesus came, why? So you could know the Father and by knowing the Father have life. That's the beginning. So the beginning isn't, well, do these things and then you're in the position. Like you're right right in the position to then be a holy person someday. But oftentimes, you'll talk to a Christian and say, well, who is God? And they just won't know what to say. Right? It's like asking, there's a buddy and he comes up and he's like, oh, dude, I just love this girl. You ask him, well, well, you know, what's her last name? He's like, I have no idea, but she's amazing. (laughs) Right? You're going to question his commitment. (laughs) Right? Where his heart's at. Right? It's true. But yet we get away with that because we've somehow set religion off to this own, like, well, it has its own way to uh, verify things. Or <laughs> When the truth is, the Bible's presenting itself as a matter of fact, right? Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, of which I am the worst, Paul said, right? It was a matter of fact for him. It wasn't this, well, if you, you know, if you go to church every Sunday, then you're probably a better Christian. No, it wasn't about that at all. It was once we know God and are growing in relationship with Him and asking Him, well, God, what, what, do you, what pleases you? Right? And we're beginning to understand that. Then all these things come. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do to alter the glory of God. And the things that don't glorify God, don't do. Okay, that's the first. The second is, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew or Greek, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. So the first is, what pleases God? The second is, what, what would make another person stumble? Right, if I'm going to do something that will make someone else hurt, I'm not going to do it. To think seriously about that, right? I might, um, you know, I might be fine doing something that another person would really struggle with. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the idea comes to mind, but I won't share it. It's about our house picture, but <laughs> we decided to not have it as scandalous as we thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> so, so there's a fact that so we could do things together, right? Let's say there's a there's a group of people that um, honestly, this is a, a real life example, very hard. Say, um, say me and a, a group of guys enjoy hanging out, you know, I don't know, playing football with our shirts off, whatever, and and yet this is as real life as it gets, guys. And then so you have a, a Christian brother who's struggled with homosexual tendencies, right? 
hard issue, but face it. We have to as a church of God, right? What are you going to do? Are you going to go ahead and just do that? Play football without your shirts? No. Be sensitive, right? Right? You as, as girls, are you going to dress in a way that makes your brother stumble? No, don't do it. Right? Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Right? And if something is going to make somebody else stumble, don't do it. Is it worth it? No. It's not worth it at all. Right? Because if you first say, what glorifies God? And that becomes the, the object, the pleasure of your life, the pursuit of your life. Right? Then that second step will be easier. Right? And the third is, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that many will be saved. Right? So that's, that's the object. So as we come to this understanding, we're sharing this understanding. Why? So more people can go back to that first step, which is doing things to the glory of God. Right? What you were made to do. Whether you're eating or drinking, reading your Bible, whatever you're doing, do all to the glory of God. You can do it to the glory of God. And that can be light to your whole life. You won't be scared about things in your life being exposed. Right? Things, people knowing about things in your life. Because Why? Because you're living in the light. Because, because you're living for a God who delights in good things. So we can't, be, we can't be indifferent or passive about the message we're putting across or the way we're communicating that message to people. For a long time we have been. There's a quote by a guy named G. Gresham Machen. Started, if you're interested, started Westminster Seminary. He was a professor at Princeton for a long time. He said, The church is puzzled by the world's indifference. She is trying to overcome it by adopting her message, adapting her message to the fashions of the day. But instead, before the conflict... If she would descend into the secret place of meditation, if by clear light of the gospel she would seek an answer, not merely the question of the hour, but first of all, to the eternal problems of the spiritual world, then perhaps by God's grace, through his good spirit, in his good time, she might issue forth once more with power, and an age of doubt might be followed by the dawn of an era of faith. Right? So if you... Stop avoiding the hard questions. I mean, taking them seriously and saying, well, how, God, how do you speak into this? God, for your glory and your name's sake, how do you actually speak into this? So I don't have to constantly just fall back and, well, I just feel it. So how does this help us? We'll wrap up here. How does this help us practically in our day-to-day lives? Because I, I want you guys to see that, that God isn't just on Sunday mornings, right? Or just when you read your devotions in the morning, right? But, but all day long, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, you can do it all to the glory of God. And that's not a limiting factor on your life, but ultimately, what, what the Bible is saying is that because God made the world, He knows a lot about it. Right? And he knows how it works best. So as you begin to live for his glory, your relationships can be more healthy. Right? You'll be a better person at work. You'll be more creative if you're an artist. Right? If you make a movie, you can make a good movie. Right? That can all come from a person being intimate with the heart of God because God likes good movies with, okay so, so whatever you do do all to the glory of God and if you wrestle with things and you think maybe, maybe I shouldn't listen to this music because it makes me struggle that's okay right I mean, there's some things that, because the Bible is black and white on certain issues, right? Sex before marriage. Do you need to, like, pray a long time about that? No, just don't do it. 
I know it's harder than that, right? But, but too, there's some issues that are black and white, but for all those ones that you're like, I, I just don't know how to communicate the gospel in this situation. How do I do that? Well, pray about it. <laughs> we do have a God that communicates. But if there's issues in your life that are darkness and you're, just, you're trying to stay hidden from God and then actually hear what He thinks about things, it's going to be really hard. So together, God is light and in Him there's no darkness. Think about it, guys. Pray about it personally. God, there's something that, that is darkness in my life that I've really kept back. That I'm like, God, you can talk about all these areas, but I'm just going to keep this one. And maybe that's the root of a lot of pain in your life. Or maybe limiting your view from seeing the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And then begin thinking, how am I going to communicate that? Not only to those around me, but how am I going to communicate that to myself when I need to hear it often too? If you guys want to work anything out afterwards, you can talk to me. Um, Let's pray together. God, you know so much better than we do these issues. So we know that because you love the world, that you sent your only Son to the world and didn't remain far away or hidden, but you wanted to make yourself known. God, and I pray that that your people can make you known as they seek your face. And know you personally and imminently, God, that they can know how to share you with their neighbors, whether it be inviting them over for dinner, or just enjoying conversation over the fence. Whatever it is, God, you... I pray that for this church that we can see how your light is life and freedom. Teach us how to live in a world where um, people love the darkness instead of the light. I pray too just for your protection um, of these people. As they go out, God, you'll strengthen their hearts and give them courage to live by conviction. God, we need you so badly. We love you so much. We pray this in your name. Amen.